Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the rafters of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. Some entrepreneurs just start a business. Others create a movement, a wave that influences the soul of an entire community. Today, I'm joined by J.W. Lee, CEO and founder of Soul Hospitality Group, which is the engine behind dozens of restaurants in Aurora and the metro area and they're shaping our culinary culture. Thank you for the time today, JW. Thank you for having me here. Uh, JW, you launched more than 20 restaurants. Correct. Nobody starts as owners though. Right. Uh, what was the spark at a young age that drew you into the culinary arts? I think I'm the first generation of immigrants in this country about 25 years ago. So being myself as a culinary chef in Korea, that kind of inspires me continually. You, you mentioned that when you were starting out, being a chef wasn't really a prosperous career in Korea at the time. What were the early days of learning like the ropes of being a chef? What was that like growing up and learning how to become a chef? In Korea, it's more like surviving. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, I mean, make a livings and your learning skills and everything like that. Did you have a mentor or a group of mentors that showed you the way as a young, as a young person? Well, here and there some, but mostly, you know, I was able to uh, develop the skills and things like that in Korea. But after I moved to the United States, I see a lot more opportunities and mentors and people who has a more successful story. That kind of inspires me to continue my um, careers and uh, explore the business. You, you decide to take the leap. You come to the U.S. to pursue your dreams. You work at restaurants in California and Chicago. You opened your first restaurant 20 years ago in St. Louis. Correct. Uh, when, when you read that, it sounds like it was all super easy, but I imagine it wasn't an easy path, was it? Correct. It wasn't easy at all. It was kind of tough ride for me. What were some of the challenges that you faced, not only coming to the country, but also becoming an entrepreneur and starting your first so business? So coming to country is hard, and the harder part was a culture difference and language barrier. Yeah. That was a lot of um, challenge for me to understanding these American cultures and languages. But you had learned and studied English while in Korea as a student, correct? As a, as a basic. Okay. Basic foundations, yes. So was it just immersing yourself with the customers and, and the, the other entrepreneurs that kind of allowed you to feel comfortable over time? Correct, correct. And most of them, my uh, teacher was my customers. How did you know how to start a business? Did you, did you just ar already have that knowledge or did you have people that guided you? How did you know, okay, this is a concept that's going to work and here's how you execute it? Right, that's a good question. For me, I never had any kind of that kind of uh, skills or uh, in, uh, anticipations for me. But while I was working in the United States, I see the opportunities. I think I can do this and with my own uh, skills, experience. That's how I start uh, put it together for my first businesses. I imagine when you're starting your first business, you can draw on the experience of seeing other people run their business. Correct. Not only what to do, but what not to do. Correct. What were some of the lessons that you remember from your early ages as an entrepreneur? For me, was a, first it was a quality of the food and then service and the environment. Those are three uh, most uh, uh, important concepts I was focusing on. So I see a lot of restaurants failing of the quality controls and services. So I think I can do a little bit better than that. So that's what I was focusing on. Your early restaurants were primarily sushi and Japanese fare. Correct. What were the factors that led you to say, hey, I, I have more to offer. I want to do concepts like Korean barbecue and hot pot. After I moved to Colorado, I explored a lot more Korean markets and especially in Aurora. 
I see a lot of uh, like Korean towns kind of was building it and a lot of uh, Korean restaurant was a kind of influence for me. So that's why I said, uh, since I'm Korean, you know, since I know the Japanese food, mine as well, I can continue to develop our, uh, our culture food in, in our uh, did you also see maybe there wasn't many options or enough options with a thriving Korean community here in Aurora? Correct. It sounds like they said a Korean town. They tried to build a Korean town in Aurora, but when I got here, I didn't see many. So we decided to, why don't we just continue to develop the Korean cultures and in this area so people have a cause to visit to Aurora. Aurora is a dynamic place. It's Colorado's most diverse city with a thriving and growing Korean population. We even have a Korea town, like you mentioned. How has this community evolved in your eyes since you first came here to Colorado? And how would you describe the community, not only Koreatown, but Aurora in general? Aurora in general, you mentioned that diversifying, you know, that's like a huge benefit for us. And also, once we see the Aurora Korean town and we had we saw the kind of limitation of the our cuisines and cultures. So since I joined the Aurora in 2018, we uh, developed about seven different kind of concepts in last five years, and we opened about 10 units mm -hmm. in that uh, Aurora area. So it's we see a lot of more um, uh, neighborhood supports from there, and a lot of visitors come to the Aurora, so that kind of help us continue to develop the Aurora. What's the community like, and I mean specifically the Havana Improvement mm -hmm. District, you have a, a tight-knit community of business owners. What has your experience been like being a part of that group in particular? Well, I think sharing their uh, their immigrant life, uh, culture's uh, experience, that was definitely uh, touched me. And then we kind of had a similar situation with the being immigrants. That kind of helped us to continue grows. Uh, Havana Street in particular is gaining notoriety for its culinary offerings. Afar Magazine named it one of the top 10 culinary neighborhoods in the entire country. Do you agree with that? Yeah, one, uh, we're trying to make it happen, but I agree. Well, and, and, and I want to say, like, you're an architect of that. You're one of the main reasons for that. That's got to feel good. Do you feel a sense of responsibility that you're helping to build that reputation? I, I, I hope so. <laughs> we should <we> try. <laughs> In Aurora alone, you have Seoul Korean barbecue and hot pot, which is always busy. Thanks to Pocho, which gives a glimpse into Korean nightlife. Soul Mandu, which has the best giant dumplings you'll ever find. Uh, mochi Nut and Coffee Story has delicious snacks and drinks. Sintoburi is a renowned kimchi market. Right. Uh, and recently, you launched Tofu Story. Correct. Uh, and even more recently, uh, Lizakaya. Can you talk a bit about what makes those two restaurants in particular mm -hmm. so dynamic and unique to Colorado? So the uh, especially Tofu Story, uh, which is uh, we make organic tofu and in the house. I, when I uh, started working in the Aurora area, I didn't see any uh, organic tofu was homemade served. So in Korea, we have a lot of markets they making a homemade tofu. So I brought that idea with the family recipes, and so we create some uh, like a tofu uh, specifying the tofu restaurants. So that kind of um, uh, diversifying the what what is our like a tofu cuisines versus barbecue and general Korean food. So that kind of help us to the um, go, uh, to neighborhood. And also the uh, Lizakaya is another like uh, Japanese style of the late night life. And that kind of, I think, bring more people to the down the Aurora area. That's how we decide to create the, those two concepts. Well, and we need those outlets because Aurora doesn't have a downtown necessarily, but you want places where people can come at night 
and experience a taste of that nightlife. Correct. And you've now developed a couple of venues where people can kind of hang out and really enjoy the Correct. area. Yes. Uh, I, I want to talk a, a little bit more about Tofu Story because it is so unique. It's mm -hmm. the first restaurant in Colorado that makes its own tofu in house. Why? Why is that so rare? Is it difficult process? Are other businesses just they just source it from outside because it's easier? Why is that such a unique offering? I think first of all, it's a difficult process. Yeah. And the second of all, it's if you buy the tofu, it's it's easier. Mm -hmm. But it's everybody, every restaurant tofu is good taste going to be same. So since we found the uh, uh, homegrown uh, organic uh, soybeans in Minnesota, so we bring that beans and then we create our own tofu taste. So even this is a tofu soup, the tofu taste is totally different. Because of that, our tofu soup makes taste better. You mentioned earlier how important it is for the quality of the ingredients that you source. Correct. How do you manage that? We're in the middle of the country. We're not near seafood. Uh, we're, we may not be near a lot of traditional ingredients. Mm -hmm. How does the Seoul Hospitality Group go about sourcing their ingredients to make sure that you do yeah. deliver on the highest quality available? So currently, we have a lot of manpowers to try to find the best uh, ingredient in the nationwide. So a lot of people are kind of researching it, what is the best and uh, each ingredients, that's how we find. So now we're getting a lot of ingredients from Korea and California, Minnesota and New York, those areas. With uh, any genre of food, I'm, I'm guessing in particular with Korean food, mm -hmm. you want to serve authentic flavors mm -hmm. that remind people of being in Korea, especially those who immigrated from Korea here. Right. Um, but as a chef, you're also creative and you're innovative. How do you marry those ideas of tradition on one hand and innovation on the other in your menus? How do you reconcile those both? So right now I'm 50 years old. So if 25 years living in Korea and then 25 is immigrant life in the United States, that kind of that kind of experience gives me idea. And then being myself as a chef, I always want to uh, kind of enjoy and uh, find and uh, develop some new tastes and uh, cuisines. So that, those things, my personality, I think, kind of helps grow uh, to um, make exciting on my businesses. Which side of it do you enjoy more, the the growing and the business side, or the creative? side of the culinary arts is there is there one that you enjoy more than the other? I, I i personally i really want to more enjoy on culinary side but having so many restaurants i don't have enough time to do it so right now i'm trying to balance it out yeah i, I really want to enjoy the culinary side yeah when you have one restaurant and you're a good owner you right. can stay on top of every detail right and you expand to five ten fifteen more restaurants right. it's impossible for you to be on top of everything you really have to have great people in place to deliver on your vision and quality standards is it difficult to relinquish that control on the day-to-day -day details you know for, so that you can look at the bigger picture it is it's when, when we go to detail it's a harder but since we have a experience and they can be leveraged so it will be a lot easier to operate in multi-units. And then while we're growing, we grow with the people together. So not only me, we have a lot of other people, supporters, and work together so they can oversee everything together. Be honest, yeah. how difficult is it to gain your trust? Oh. When you bring somebody in, Is it right. does it take a long time for them to really get the reins to one of your properties? Or is it, it, it is. a rigorous... It, 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 you know how how does that process go? It is it's really really hard to find. Uh, I mean, good people and then trust people, but we have to build it. It's, it does not. It, I don't think it's come with the free. So we have to build that that trust and relationships. So it, it it's a 
people is another developing business too. Yeah. So we have to find them. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that you're able to bring in experts and, and you can trust them or do you have to bring in people that you know you can mold a little bit to deliver on your vision? I think we, we want to be uh, hired as a regular employee first. Yeah. And then once we see they have their talent or we build uh, some basic trust, then we can uh, we kind of bring them up and give them some motivations to be a part of our team. And also we kind of locally, we kind of connect with a, a lot of uh, famous chef and they give us some guidelines and thoughts, things like that. So it's it's not only us, it's it's all like neighborhood, I mean, the, our, our uh, team together is. Uh, at, at the scale of your operation now, I would guess the business side probably takes up a majority of your time. Correct. But but how much time are you able to still devote to crafting recipes with your chefs or, or getting into the kitchens with your staff and keeping your hands on, on, on the soul, no pun intended, of the right. food? Right. So right now, I don't have a, a dedicated office. I just do mobilize myself. So I go to each restaurant every day and then trying to go through the kitchens and see the dining rooms and I, I dine as a customer myself, so that way I can see the taste and control the quality of the food. And then I wanna see the everything details. So that's how I um, oversee the restaurants. Do the staffs of these restaurants know that you're coming or do you pop in? Just pop in. Yeah? yeah. So they don't get a warning, okay, JW's coming in, we gotta make sure everything's no, really no, tight. You wanna, you wanna see what everything is like on a normal day. Exactly, exactly. That's gotta be a lot of stress for them, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good, right? Because right. you want them to deliver every single day as if JW is walking through the door. Exactly. Yeah. The, the restaurant industry has gone through a lot in the last several years mm -hmm. from navigating the pandemic to supply chain and labor challenges. What lessons have you taken from these last couple of years and, and where do you see the industry going? Well, I think that during the pandemic, what we see the, um, you know, everything, you know, everything, supply chains and all the labor things gone up so much. So what we find that out, you know, how we eliminate from that fact so we're trying to reduce the, all those wastes and then uh, concentrate the, uh, consolidate our uh, uh, ingredients so we can uh, use the similar ingredient with the other cuisines. And then I think the trend gonna be a lot uh, less labor intense uh, business, gonna be uh, more developed. So it'll be more like AI, you know, the in intelligency. And plus, I think a lot of people are still gonna stay home or stay away from the office. So over a lot more delivery businesses. So I think it's gonna be a split, either you know high end, higher end, or just like low end everyday food. I don't think it's gonna be mediocre scene. To piggyback off of that question, how have the consumers changed? Have you noticed a change, a shift in those that are coming to the restaurants in terms of what they're expecting in terms of an experience? Are, are they more difficult to please now? Or what, what, what has the customers, what have the customers been like since these last couple of years? So what I see was a uh, first time after pandemics, I think people was a little bit hesitate to go out and hesitate to uh, interacting with the uh, people. But now I see more people are really uh, because of the pandemic, they are appreciating that that kind of uh, experience. And then I see they're more like, they're not just want to eat the food, they just want to enjoy that, like that uh, the moment. So I see a lot more people want to uh, kind of explore different things and different kind of uh, cultures. So that's always see that people are looking for some more um, excitement just versus the food. It feels like those who go out now aren't just looking for a great meal, they're looking for a great experience. Exactly. So when you're coming up with a concept, you have to think 
beyond the food, it's also what is this going to look like on social media? What is the music going to be? What is the lighting going to be? What is the ambiance going to be? You got it. Yeah. How do you figure those things out? How do you make those decisions? Those are, you know, we have a great teams, you know, and then we kind of benchmarking from other states. So we go out to other states and then whatever trend is, are you mentioned like social media, we look at that and then we kind of visit the stores and then we kind of bring that energy and uh, those kind of feelings to the uh, Colorado. And then we're trying to create that kind of seam and uh, concepts in the restaurants. You represent the success that can be achieved when you, you have a dream and you execute on it. You credit having a great team around you that contributed to that mm -hmm. success. As a leader, have you found yourself now growing into a mentor role, helping other young chefs and entrepreneurs achieve their dreams as well? I mean, if, if, if they want, if they need any of my help, yes, I definitely want to help them. And then I want to give them right directions. Because since I opened the last 25 years, over 30 restaurants in this United States, and I know pretty much from the permitting through the you know, final inspections. So, and then after that, you know, all the operation skills or whatever they need or not. So I can kind of guide them which direction they're supposed to go or what they need in order to achieve that goal. So I can give them if they want, if they need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is going to be the hardest question. Okay. Uh, do you have an all-time favorite dish? Or if you only had one final meal you could ever have, what are you choosing? I'll choose the bibimbap. You knew immediately. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, I think that becomes the number one uh, most nutrition uh, individual meal in the history. He, he had an answer immediately. I'm surprised. <laughs> I thought you'd have to ruminate yeah. on that for a little bit. Uh, you're a visionary. What are the future plans for Seoul Hospitality Group? Uh, we are still continue growing uh, our concepts and uh, we were trying to focus on the, uh, our um, Korean cultures. And based on that, you know, we can still uh, introduce to the market, you know, different kind of the Korean cultures. Meanwhile, we still want to support the local, uh, you know, neighborhood and a uh, community. And so we are going to continue, continue growing. If you could go back in a time machine and, yeah. and you find young JW uh, as a sushi chef at the Radisson Soul Plaza Hotel, what advice would you give to him about your journey? Boys, be ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, when, when it's, it's, it's never too late and don't be afraid. Every time, you know, we're, we're kind of worried about the, to challenge what's going to be in the futures. But for me, was I didn't, I didn't really thought about the tomorrow. I just going to fight today and then tomorrow will become so that's what I um, decided to come over to this country 25 years ago by myself. And you've been an incredible influence, not only on Colorado, but the entire culinary scene. Thank you so much for your contribution, JW. It's been incredible to meet you. Thank you, David. Very nice to meet you. That was JW Lee, founder and CEO of Seoul Hospitality Group. You can learn more about all of his amazing restaurants in Aurora and beyond at soulhospgroup.com. Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet 
of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250-plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.